0: Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top
1: throughout. They sit therefore among themselves, let's not rend it, but cast lot for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my garment among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. So that's a special coat to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, He was wearing that coat, and he was stripped from it when he was crucified. It hurt. It reminds me of what happened to me. Now, you may think that this is strange, but then you know that I'm strange, so then you'll understand. But but several times a year, you know, I used to go to London, and London is not like San Diego. It's cold, and sometimes it gets really cold in London, and you never quite, and I don't, you know, and they have a coat being, anyway, so it wasn't really, it was sort of cold this day, and I was walking by a shop in Piccadilly Circus there, and I was looking in a window, and there was a really nice windbreaker coat. Oh, I like that coat. You should have seen it. It was white. It had red and a blue. You could reverse it. It was called the yachting coat. It was really nice. Anyway, and so I bought it. I really like that coat. I mean, I am confessed to you, I like that coat. And so, but, you know, I, I didn't really have use for it here in San Diego because it get too hot. So I used to keep a duffel bag all the time at the hotel there, there, Regis Park, I used and they used to keep a duffel bag for me all the time because I was lazy. I didn't want to carry clothes all the time back and forth, so I kept a bunch of clothes there. And so I said, I know. I'll keep my coat in this duffel bag. Yeah. Anyway, and, so, and the duffel bag was locked, and, and every time I come to London, you know, oh, I'm going to go there. i get to wear the coat, you know, because <laughs> it'll be cold, and then I can wear the coat. And so I remember one time, so one day I came from the States, and I arrived at the hotel. It was about 10 at night. It was late. And I got my duffel bag to the room. And I noticed the, I noticed the lock had been forced open and the coat was gone. My special coat had been stolen. Probably doesn't mean that much to you, but it did to me anyway. And I'll tell you what, I was having a hard time with that. I was having a hard time that night realizing that my favorite coat had been stolen because I really liked that coat and I was looking forward to it and wearing it. And I just pictured in my mind, you know, the person prying the lock open, the duffel bag and going through the stuff and coming across the coat and saying, oh, this is a really nice jacket. I'll take this jacket. And and I was replaying this in my mind and every time I would think of that, I'd say, no, that's my jacket. (laughs) You can't take it. And I got a picture of me pulling back up. For the tug-of-war with the jacket, you know. And, and I really got upset, you know. I got more and more upset. I really needed a deliverance. Because this was like taken over. I was becoming obsessed with this coat that was stolen. Well, I got to tell you, it was this verse that delivered me about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I just thought about, you know, that special coat that the Lord Jesus Christ was wearing when he was crucified. And how from the cross, he watched because the soldiers took his coat, saying, well, I won't need this coat anymore. And then they said, wait, this is all one piece. It's too nice to rip into four pieces. Let's cast a lot. Let's gamble for it. See who's going to be. And I pictured the Lord saying, but that's my coat. And as I thought more and more about the Lord Jesus on the cross, and he's wearing this nice coat, and then it's being gambled, and the winner's smiling, and he's taking it away from him, and he's watching all this transpire under his eyes there uh, from the cross, that delivered me from being upset about my coat because I was able to actually thank the Lord that my coat was stolen. And I thought, Lord, now I know just a little about how you felt as your nice coat was stolen from you right under your eyes. So, so thank you. Thank you for allowing me to have uh, the, the, my nice coat stolen just to know a little bit about how you felt from the cross. I mean, it was worth it. To have the nice coat to enter into a little of what you suffered on the cross. Anyway, the subject is nice coats. And this was a really nice coat that Joseph was wearing, and it really hurt him to have it stripped off him. And when it says that, that's what's emphasized in verse 23. Now, they've stripped off his coat in verse 24, and it says, they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Okay, their first action. In verse twenty-four, is they took him. Now this is violence. This is violent, you know. And they didn't say to Joseph, "Okay, Joseph, buddy boy, let's just let you down nice here into this pit. Easy does it. Watch your step. How you doing down there? Everything okay?" You know, that wasn't the way it was. They didn't hurt yourself, did you? No. I mean, it was not that way at all. It was violent. It says when they took him, they didn't care it, it, how how he got roughed up. Or if he broke any bones during this rough treatment. They were meaning for him to suffer and die. So in violence, they took him. And then we read, they cast him into a pit. See, the word cast is very meaningful. And when something is cast away, it's seen as having no value. It's despised. I mean, cast, that's really an act of anger and despising. You really get the idea behind this word, although it's not used, but it's the spirit of it in Psalm 2, when God asks the question, Psalm 2, 2, verse 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, his Messiah, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. See, his response is really the spirit of cast. The spirit of cast here is like, the Lord that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. Speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. He's laughing and God is laughing in scorn and having them in derision and speaking in wrath and vexing them that's what's behind the meaning of cast you know cast is a word that god uses god uses that to describe what happens to everyone that ends up in hell here's how each person gets in hell very much like joseph was cast into this pit matthew 8, 12 but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, 13. Then shall the king say unto the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There so shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew twenty five thirty. Matthew twenty five thirty. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There so shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People who God sends to hell are not placed there gently. They are cast there. And it's described in this place as places, outer darkness. Just, just, what does that mean, outer darkness? Just picture being lost in a large open ocean at night with no moon and crying out for help and no one answers. That's outer darkness. Just picture the terror of being lost in some forest at night with no moon and crying out for help and no one answers. That's outer darkness. That's what it means. And those who go into this outer darkness of hell, they're cast there. And, so, and that's what Joseph's brothers did to Joseph. They cast him into the pit. First they humiliate him by stripping him of his coat. Then they dehumanize him by casting him into the pit. Now we're told about this pit. It says, it's emphasized to it, the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Death comes, of course, in the desert where there's no water, and there's no water in the pit, so he appears he's going to die of dehydration. But just by the way, how the Lord Jesus Christ died. He died of dehydration. Psalm 22, 14, Psalm twenty-two fourteen describes dehydration when he says, I am poured out like water. My bones are all out of joint. My heart is like wax, melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like potsherd. My tongue is Cleaves to my jaws, and I'm brought, and thou has brought me into the dust of death. The the feeling of being poured out like water. This is dehydration. The heart struggling to pump blood because the blood is getting thicker and thicker as the water in the blood plasma is being drawn out to try to keep the cells alive in the body. The feeling of being like a broken piece of, of pottery. The feeling of the tongue that has no moisture in the mouth so it just sticks to the top of the jaws. All that's associated with dehydration. This is a description of dehydration. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ actually died of. Dehydration. It was death by dehydration. And that's how it looked as though it was going to be for Joseph here. It was going to die that way. A slow death of death by dehydration in an underground pit with no water. Boy. That's pretty bad. You know, that's almost as bad or similar bad. Well, I don't know what's bad. Bad, bad. Jonah. Jonah in the belly of the large fish. What does it say? In Jonah 2. Jonah 2 verse 1. Jonah 2 verse 1. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Boy, that's a nice place for a prayer meeting, isn't it? Fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep. In the midst of the season, the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. And I'll look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed in about me. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in you know, unto thee, into thy holy temple. There was Jonah in the belly of the fish with seaweed wrapped all around his head. And he's talking about the waters compassed him about, even to his soul. And the depth crows him about and the weeds wrapped about my head. And with all that disgusting liquid that Jonah was in, inside the, the belly of the fish, Jonah describes the floods compassing and all that billows passed over me. And he calls the belly of the fish the belly of hell. And then at first, after swallowed him, it looks like the fish dove deeper and deeper into the sea. I don't know about what kind of pressure he was experiencing down there. And he said, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains... The earth with their bars was about me forever. It was like hell for Jonah. It was just like Joseph. Jonah also felt the impact of this word cast. As Jonah said, Thou was cast me into the deep. So now Joseph, he finds himself now in this dry pit in the hot desert. The walls are tall, they're deep, and he's not able to climb out. And probably they've put the rock over the opening. I don't know. And so it's dark for Joseph. And now Joseph is really like Jonah. He's in this hopeless situation with no way out. Death was seemingly inevitable. So what does Joseph do in this pit? After over 15 years, it takes us 15 years for us to learn. Well, it didn't take us 15 years because we can read faster than that. But anyways, it's 15 years later when it was said what he did when he was in that pit. And it was really interesting because it was was in a conversation between Joseph's brothers when they were falsely accused in Egypt. And there we learn what Joseph was doing in the pit. And it says in Genesis 42, 21, Genesis 42, 21, the brothers speaking, they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his souls when he besought us. And we would not hear. Therefore, is the stress come upon us? And Reuben answered, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? And you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Now, we learn from this, like I said, it's more than 15 years later. We learn from this that they saw on Joseph's face what they called the anguish of his soul. They saw on Joseph's face the pain of having been betrayed. And then we learn that Joseph besought them. It said that, he besought us. So Joseph is begging his brothers to not do this to him. Joseph is begging for his life. We can imagine Joseph calling out to each one of his brothers individually by name, begging each one individually, don't kill me by thirst in this pit. We can imagine saying, take my coat, spare my life. And so sad to hear that Joseph's face showed this anguish of soul and that he's crying out to his brother to save his life. It's really scary for Joseph to be trapped in that dark, waterless pit, absolutely helpless, no hope in sight. I mean, when it says that in verse 24, that the pit was empty, it's really trying to make us feel the all aloneness that Joseph was in. Imagine Joseph, He's all alone in this dark, and he's left to die underground. He's sinking probably in mire. His flesh is cringing at the touch of these these slimy creatures he can't see that are delighted to have his flesh down there. And he lets out a few wild cries for help, but they just echo back on him. And he realizes no hope's coming. No help's coming. And then he pounds wildly on the walls of the, the rock, and he realized there's no way out. There's no escape. And so he, what does he do? He cover, imagine, covers his face and throws himself on the ground, trying to find an escape maybe in himself. And then he thinks of his father. thinks of his father. And he says, oh, his father is so far from helping him. His father can't hear the cries, his cries. And then he's in that, he's really in a tomb pit. And he's crying for help. And no help comes. It reminds, it reminds us of, again of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, this idea of crying and no help comes. That's what it says in Psalm 22.1, where it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season am not silent. See, this whole aspect, crying out for help with no help and becoming, it's what happens in hell. That's the description, you know, the outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, the gnashing of teeth is from the anxiety of crying for help and no help comes. Joseph's crying for help, no help comes. The Lord Jesus Christ was crying out like that inside without an audible sound. And he said in Psalm 69, 20, Psalm sixty-nine twenty, Reproach hath broken my heart, O Lord Jesus. I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat. My thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. See, I looked for pity. There was none. I looked for comforters. There was none. And so we can see Joseph now. He's thinking about those dreams. And he's thinking, boy, how quickly it all ended just a few feet that separates me from life and death in a moment the course of my life it just seems to stop all the hopes all the aims everything that I had in life is just gone in a moment what a picture what a picture of the world the world all oh, the world's an oyster it promises so much and then in an instant some tragedy it's all over it's so final like it says in 1 John 2.17, 1 John 2.17, 2, 17, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. But Joseph, as we said, he's not the only one who found himself in this trapped position. Jonah was also desperate in the belly of the fish, that feeling of being trapped, just like Joseph, trapped in a pit, and someone else, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was trapped in an underground dungeon, It sounds very much like this pit that Joseph was put in, where it says in Jeremiah 38, 6, Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamalek. And that was in the court of the prison, and they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now what would you do if you were Joseph, or you were Jonah, or you were Jeremiah, and you were trapped absolutely helpless no hope in sight what do you do when you're in a situation like you feel that way in life you feel like you're joseph in the pit and jeremiah and the fish's belly and i mean uh jonah and the fish's belly and jeremiah when you feel absolutely helpless with no hope in sight what do you do when you're afraid like that you do what david did you do what David did, and he said in Psalms 56.3, Psalm 56.3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That's why we have it on the doors of our MRI room. When you go in there to get diagnosed for cancer, you know, we have that right on the door. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Now, we have Jonah's prayer for the belly of the fish, who is diving now to the great depths of the sea. And he prayed in, in Jonah 2.1, Jonah 2.1, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell. I cried, I heard my prayer. Jonah 2 7, Jonah 2 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, unto thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. See, Jonah said, My soul faints within me. Oh, I remembered. I remembered the Lord. That's Jonah's. A moment of, oh yeah, I remembered God. I remember the Lord. I mean, can we relate to that? I think so. I can. You know what happens too often? You know, crisis comes, car car accident. Quick, swing into action. Call for help. Cancer. Quick, swing into action. You know, where's the greatest medical American medical institutions that we got here? Okay, what about God? Huh? (laughs) Oh yeah, I remembered the Lord. Yeah, only too often for us. It's it's only after we're so overwhelmed, like Jonah was. By our problems that were driven to when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. But wonderfully, God delivered Jonah, Jeremiah, and Joseph. From there, each had their chambers of death. For Jonah, it says in Jonah 2:10, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the ground. God spoke to the fish. God spoke to the fish. It had a (laughs) stomachache. And then the fish thought, I'm going to (laughs) vomit. I know I'm going to vomit. I don't know where fish normally go when they vomit. I don't know, but probably the fish is saying, "I don't want to swim in this stuff." And so you know, he says, "I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll beach myself and I'll, I'll vomit on the dry land." And so he does that, and out comes Jonah. There's one big propelling vomit. Oh boy! And God speaks to a, spoke to a fish to vomit, and on the dry land, and he vomits out Jonah. Boy, how good is God? Now, that was an unusual deliverance. <laughs> God's deliverances are usually unusual. That was an unusual way for God to deliver Jonah from his chamber of death. And for Jeremiah, it was an Ethiopian eunuch. It says in Jeremiah 38, seven. Jeremiah 38.7, Now in Edom, Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which is in the kin house, he heard that they put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Edom, Melech. Edom Went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. He's like to die for hunger in the place where he is, and there's no bread in the city. And the king commanded Edamelech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from thence 30 men with thee and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he died. So Edamelech took the men with him, went into the house of the king under the treasury, took thence old, old cast clots. And old rotten rags couldn't even have nice cloths. He had to have old rotten rags. But okay, and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. The Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, "Put now these old cloths, old cast cloths, and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords." And so Jeremiah did so, and they drew up Jeremiah with the cords and took him out of the dungeon, and Jeremiah remained in the court in prison. So, in Jeremiah's case, it wasn't a fish. God spoke to, it was an Ethiopian eunuch.
0: Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible's scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map, not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible Scripture References section, Bible Reference Help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.